Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time joining us during this unusual season of life, my name is John. I am the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys giving us just a little bit of your Sunday morning. I mean, I know you're really busy, so I appreciate you know I appreciate you just taking time out of your schedule to just come on and sit around the couch and and watch me, you know, on Apple TV or whatever device you're, you're watching currently. A um, couple of quick things before we kind of just jump into the sermon for today. Um, a corona update, if you will, just sort of a state of the church, just to kind of keep you guys up to date as to what's going on behind the scenes. So the museum obviously is closed. The museum uh, is following the schedule of Broward County Schools. So when they open up, the museum will open up. And when that happens, we as a church will begin to assess, is it safe for us to meet? You know, having 100 people in that small room, we don't know when the government's going to allow us to do that again. Obviously, we want to do it as soon as possible, but we want to be wise, you know, and make, and make the wise decision about when to do that because social distancing is just so important, so wildly important at this time. Something else, um, because we don't see you guys, because we're not really interacting with you on a, on a weekly basis, because I don't really get to talk to you at the top of the escalator. We don't really get to hear from you in terms of your conversations with our greeters. We don't really know what's going on in your life right now. Um, and so if, if you have prayer requests, which we usually, you know, hear those at church, if you have prayer requests, if you have things on your mind, if you have things on your heart that you would like us to sort of join you in prayer, we would love to do that. And, and so you can do it a couple of ways. You can either Write your prayer requests in the comment section off of the side over here. You're seeing people kind of talking to each other over there. Feel free to comment or put your prayer request there. Or you can email it to us. All of our email addresses end in at soflowchurch.com. So you can email me, John, at SoFlow Church. You can email Christina, that's with a K, at SoFlow Church, or Adam. Or send it to info, any one of those. Just send us your prayer requests. We would love to sort of team up with you. we got a bunch of our volunteers who just love praying for people. And so we want to make sure that your prayers are, 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 you know, are being met. We want to help you um, with that. One other thing before we kind of jump in, um, I just want to let you guys know that this week, the clock has batteries. I, I can't begin to tell you how many um, emails and text messages, even a couple of phone calls I got that said, hey, what's going on with the clock? Can you talk to us about the clock? Is this some kind of, are you trying to mess with us? Is this some kind of like signal sign? Why is it not moving? Why is it stuck at 12? I don't know. Okay. But here we got the batteries. Okay. I don't want this clock to be a stumbling block. All right. In terms of you're like your walk with Jesus. So we've, we fixed that. We live to serve here at DHC. So that, you know, we can put that behind us, so to speak. Um, all right. So, Today, we are wrapping up this series that we are calling Revolutionary. And if it's your first time joining us, let me kind of catch you up to speed as to the conversation we've been having. It's, these weeks don't build on each other, so it's fine that you have not been here thus far. Um, but we're wrapping up this series called Revolutionary. And throughout the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about the greatest sermon that Jesus Christ ever gave. We're talking about the sermon on the mount. This this amazing message where he he taught us some profound truths. He gave us some amazing wisdom. This these these ideas that changed the way that we thought of God. These concepts that changed the way that we viewed ourselves, 
and these commands that really would change the way that we would interact with other people. And so the best way to describe what the Sermon on the Mount is, these sort of two chapters found in Matthew, it's really the Christian life. I mean, if you go back and you read it from start to finish from a 36,000-foot level, it is the Christian life if you had perfect faith. And so Jesus kind of begins to describe the Christian life, and he comes out of the gate, and we talked about this in week one, and he goes, look, you guys, you're not just Christians, you're salt and you're light. And it was this idea that we as his followers can actually go out into the world, we can leave our house when we're allowed to, right? We can leave the church, and we can begin to impact society and culture and other people's lives as salt and as light. Last week, Adam did a masterful job, as usual, talking about loving your enemies, which is a, that's a profound concept. I mean, I mean, it truly is, and it was revolutionary then, and it still is to this day, but it, it's just this idea that I love when Jesus was like, anybody can love people that love them, okay? That's, that's nothing special to love somebody that loves you. What's special is loving those who are your enemies. That's how you're going to change the world. Well, today, what I want to do is I want to land on what I would argue as perhaps the most famous section inside the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, that's arguable. People can go back and forth as to what is the most famous section of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, obviously, the, the Lord's Prayer is found in the Sermon on the Mount. That's a big one. But, but what we're going to talk about today, I, I firmly believe, is a huge section. Because what Jesus is going to show us today, he's going to be talking about this issue that at this particular moment in time plagues the entire world. It's an issue that plagues our country, our state, your house, and probably your life. And, and, and what's so interesting about this topic that he's going to talk about today is that this particular topic might not have been a problem for you in the past. But because of coronavirus, because of the quarantine, because of the news, because of the economy, you might find yourself more and more struggling with worry. So when it comes to like worry, that's you know, a big topic. We have covered worry before at Downton Harbor Church. And I'm just going to let you know, we're going to be covering it again. We're probably going to cover it once a year, if not more, because worry is a huge problem. It, it, there's a reason why when you go on Amazon and you search worry, you get over 10,000 results for books. There's a reason that Jesus speaks about worry multiple times. There's a reason that the New Testament authors speak about worry many, many times because worry is a pandemic in this world and its effects are destructive in our life. And so that's kind of what we want to talk about today. But to sort of ease our way into this conversation, I want to ask you just a few questions. Now, you don't have to answer these questions out loud. I mean, if you're, you know, quarantined in your house by yourself, feel free to answer them out loud. If you've got people around you, why not? Go for it if you don't feel too, you know, bashful about it, so to speak. Or maybe with someone in the other room, you start answering, they go, who are you talking to? I don't worry about it. All right. But got a couple of questions for you. Some of them I made up. Some of them I have stolen from other people. I just want to put that out there. But um, here's the first question for you. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Jesus made this one up, not me. But that's okay. It's a good one. So who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? 
Here's another one. Who of you, by worrying, has probably shortened your life? Okay, that's me. I mean, I, I saw an article in, in preparation for today's message that over 80%, over 80% of all doctor's visits are stress-related. How about that? Here's another question for you. Who of you, by worry, has driven someone else crazy? Okay, that's me. All right, now, I can't see you. I don't know if you're raising your hands. I don't know what you're saying. Like, maybe I'm just preaching to myself today. That's okay. I, I could always use a good message on worry. It's a big, it's a big issue for me, but, but we all know, or you all know, it. like, if you're with a worrier, it doesn't necessarily make life easier. We kind of drive people crazy with our worries. But these are all kind of general. So let me just sort of sharpen the pencil, so to speak, to see if I can narrow down um, a little bit more, you know, sharply on our current situation. Who of you, because of coronavirus, is worried about the quarantine or your 401k? Or how about your stock portfolio? Or maybe your job. Are you going to lose it? Are you going to get it back? How about church? I might be the only person worried about church. Okay, I'll, I just put that up there though. How about homeschooling? How about doing your math with your kids? All right, how about a haircut? That's a big one. Ladies, what about those highlights? It's starting to get scary over there. What about the gym? That's a big, listen, I'm a gym guy, all right? I know I'm not some big muscle head, but I like going to the gym. I like, you know, lifting weights, all that kind of stuff. I don't have any of that in my house, all right? I'm like Jane Fonda now in my garage doing, you know, toe touches and stuff. It's not a pretty sight. What about toilet paper? You worried about toilet paper? I am. I don't know why, but that got me worried about it. Okay, look, one of these you're bound to be worried about. I can just pretty much guarantee because I, I know you guys. So yeah, I know you're worried about one of these things. But Jesus is the one who said, look, who of you? I mean, he's talking to you right now. Listen to me. He goes, who of you? Any of you guys on your couches right now? Who of you can add a, a single hour to your life by worrying? Well, no one. I mean, that's just, we, like, we, can't, we can't do that. And he goes, okay, well, if life is the most important thing that you have, right, and you can't extend your life by worry, then why worry? So what's the practical? Stop worrying. All right, let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity. No, you wish. You wish church was that quick. I know you guys. No, here, here's the thing. We wish it were that simple. We really do. We wish, we wish sort of the, the, the solution to our problems were, were, were that simple. Just say, don't worry. Okay, got it. Not a problem. The truth is, I mean, it kind of it, it is that simple. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. The message I'm going to give you today is not complicated. The reason is, the message that Jesus gave is not complicated. It's a simple message. And it's a simple solution. The problem is, the problem is, worry and anxiety to a greater level is such a raw, powerful emotion that it makes us believe that the solution to this problem has to be commensurate in size. It's got to be like, well, if, if my worries are this big, if my worries are this powerful, if my worries are this raw, then the solution to this has to be some big, huge, complicated thing. But it's not. The answer's simple. But it takes work 
on our part. If we want to win the war on worry, there's some things that we have to do, and, and that's what we're going to take a look at today. So one of the first things that we have to begin to grasp and understand and, and, and digest is something you might not have heard before. But one of the things that we have to do, number one, right out of the gate, is we must change the story that we tell ourselves. Let me unpack this for you. Psychologists will tell you, and, and Jesus backs this up by what you're going to see today, but psychologists will tell you that your worry, your anxiety, is the direct result, the direct result of the story that you tell yourself about any given situation. For example, let's say that you've got a friend, or maybe it's a, a, a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, or maybe your boss, okay? Just somebody that you know, and they text you, all right? And, and you know, your phone dings, you pick it up, and, and all you see is this text. Hey, can we talk? Let me just say something. This is pretty much the worst text message you could send to another human being, particularly if, you know, they have like a little bit of an anxiety, okay? Don't do this, okay? Because all of a sudden, we get this text message, and we're like, oh, what, what do they want? What, what's going on? Why are they sending this to me? What's the problem? What's go, like, are, are they going to break up with me? Uh, uh, am I going to get fired? Am I sick? Are they sick? What is going Psychopaths send this kind of text message. Let me just say this to you, right? Okay, just between you and me. If you're a person that sends these kinds of text messages, you need to get right with Jesus because you, there are some spiritual issues in your life. Don't send people text messages like this, all right? Because, and listen, you might have great news. Maybe you're a boss and you want to tell your, you know, your, one of your people, hey, I want to give you a raise. But nobody reads anything positive into this text messages. We only tell ourselves a negative story and we whip ourselves into panic. We start sweating. We're looking around for a glass of Chardonnay, okay? And all of this negative reaction is based solely on the story that we told ourselves, which has me wondering, what kind of story have you been telling yourself about the economy. I mean, I mean are, you, are, you, are, are you painting some grim picture as to what's happening out there right now? Are, are, you, are, you, are you telling yourself some really scary story about your retirement? I mean, are you telling your story of, of, I mean, yourself a story about your love life? Like, I'm single, I'm getting older, I'm lonelier, I'm never going to find anybody, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, die alone in an apartment with, you know, surrounded by 30 cats. Are you telling yourself these kinds of stories? What kind of story are you telling yourself about God? See, what we're going to see today is we're going to see Jesus begin to sort of peel back the layers of our worry in order to expose the story that we've been telling ourselves. And his goal is, is to expose that story and then replace that story. He wants to replace our story with his story. He wants to replace our lives with his truths. So to kick off this revolutionary conversation about worry, Jesus sort of couches it by talking about a topic that I think a lot of us, because of the scenario that we're in right now, a lot of us have, let's just say, some concerns about, right? We don't want to say worry, but let's just say we have some concerns about, and that is, obviously, money. So today we're in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start off in verse 24. Jesus kicks it all off by saying this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or 
You'll be devoted to the one. And that word devoted, by the way, is going to be a, a big word for today. So just kind of keep that in your mind, devoted to him. Or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he famously says, you cannot serve both God and money. So a couple things happening here. Let me just kind of pick this apart so you see sort of more of what he's saying. Number one, Jesus um, does not use the word money in the original translation. Our, our Bibles kind of translate into money, but Jesus actually uses this word mammon, which is, uh, we don't use, that's not like an English word. We don't, we don't use this word mammon, but he says, you cannot serve both God and mammon. And mammon actually means like stuff possession. So money is included in mammon, but mammon is so much bigger than that. Now here's something else that's so interesting. He chooses to use this word mammon, which as I said means stuff, let's call it. But the root word of mammon actually means something in which one puts their confidence. That adds a whole new level to what he's saying here. So look at it. He goes, you cannot, just so you know, you cannot serve both God and money. Now notice, he says cannot. That is not a command. It's an observation. Right here, Jesus is making an observation about what's just true in this world. He's just saying, hey, listen, just, just so you know, you just, you can't serve both God and money. It's just not possible. Just, it's just, something, it's like you, you can't defy gravity. You can't, you cannot serve both God and money. You, you cannot put your confidence in both God and money. You, you cannot lean on God and also lean on money. You, you can't find your security in God and, and then also find your, your security in money. It's just, it's just not possible. So you're going to need to make a choice. You're going to make a choice as to who your master is going to be. Will you put your confidence in God or will you put your confidence in something else? He continues. He says, therefore, now, just a little tidbit for your next Zoom happy hour. You can kind of throw this tidbit out there. You can say, hey guys, just like, I don't know if you know this, but anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, you should always ask, what's it there for, right? So whatever you see therefore, you should ask, what's it there for? And in this particular scenario, this therefore is a, a sort of a connecting word, connecting phrase, connecting two thoughts. What Jesus just said about God and money sort of competing for our heart and who is going to be the master of our life and what he's about to say. This is not a new concept that he's leading into. He says, so you cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Okay, Jesus, well, that's a, that's a little broad. Can you sort of narrow that down? Like, what do you, what do you mean by, what do you mean by life? He says, yeah, I can do that. Now remember, Jesus is talking to an audience 2,000 years ago. He's speaking to his original audience. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Essentially, Jesus is saying, look, guys, we're friends, all right? I, I, I know what you worry about. I mean, I'm one of you. I live in your neighborhood. I, I, I see what's going on, all right? You're, you're worried about whether or not you can secure enough food. You're poor. I get it. We all are. You're, you're worried about your, your clothes being in, in tatters and what, like, 
is your clothes going to, are they going to last at the end of the week? Are they going to even last at the end of the day? I get all of that. I'm just letting you know, you don't need to worry about that. I think for us as a modern audience in 2020, I think Jesus might say, listen, you, you don't, you don't need to worry about whether or not you'll be able to retire. You don't, you don't need to worry about whether your, your kid will get into their number one college choice. You don't need to worry about keeping your job. You don't need to worry about the economy at large. You, you, don't, you don't need to worry about your health. Jesus looks at that original audience, and he looks at us, and he goes, don't worry about your life. And that's a command. To which I think we hear that, and we want to go, wait, hold on, Jesus, wait. Are you saying, just, like, are you saying these things that I'm worried about, like food and clothes and job? Are you saying that's not important? Because that sounds like that's what you're saying. Are, are you saying that? He goes, no, 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 not at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, what we're going to see, Jesus would say, those things that you worry about, they are important things. And there is uncertainty related to all of those things. And in some cases, it's not going to be perfectly fine. And yet, you don't have to worry. You see, Jesus is trying to bring us somewhere. In essence, it's almost like he's trying to break us down in order to build us back up. Because what Jesus wants is he wants us to be able to face the uncertainty of tomorrow and not worry about it today. What he wants, I think, more than anything, is for us to be able to live comfortably in, in the tension of uncertainty, that not knowing for sure what the future holds. And so he continues to sort of peel away at the layers of our worry. And he asks a huge question. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? He's asking, is, is not life more important than food and more important than clothes? See, what I think Jesus is trying to do here, I think he's trying to give us a little bit of perspective. He's trying to get us to sort of stand back from the situation just a little bit because he sees us. We are, we are in this full-blown panic of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what if? What am I going to do? What if I lost my job? What if I can't get my job back? What's happened to my 401k? What if, my, what if this quarantine goes to August? What if? What if? What? He's like, stop, stop, stop. Shh, 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 stop. And I imagine him kind of putting his hands on our shoulders. He's like, take a deep breath, all right? Take a deep breath. Okay, all right. Look at me in the eyes. Let me ask you a question. Is not life more than food? Body more than clothes? Maybe to ask it in a different way. I think he might look at us and say, all right, relax. Let me ask you a question. Is not life more than retirement? Well, yeah. Okay, good, he would say. Yeah, good, good. All right, all right. Here's another one. Is not life more than your kids getting into an Ivy League school? Well... Technically, okay, I'll take technically, right? Te we can work with technically. Let's go. Now, here's a big one. This is me, John, letting you know this next one's a big one, so buckle up. Ready? Is not life more than coronavirus? Christians out there right now watching me, 
just talking to the Christians and their followers of Jesus. You know the truth of the Bible. You know the truth of the gospel. You know what the scripture says about life. You know what Jesus says about life. You know what Paul and Peter and James and John and Matthew and Mark and Luke, you know what they all say about life. And God forbid, worst case scenario, worst case scenario, we die from coronavirus. Is that really the end of life? Or is that really just the beginning? So with that, I think Jesus would ask, is not life more than your health? Well, yeah, Jesus, you're right. Life is greater than that. He would say, now we're getting somewhere. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. See, Jesus, and I say this all the time, Jesus is like a great attorney. He never asks a question that he doesn't already know the answer to. And so he's leading us somewhere, right? He, he, he's leading us somewhere, and it's going to be good. So he continues. He says, let me pay. Look at the birds of the air. Remember, he's outside right now. He goes, look, look at the birds of the air. To which I think we want to go, huh? What? He goes, no, no, do me a favor. Just for a second, take a, take a look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. Jesus, I ain't got time for that. Ain't nobody got time to look at the, and Well, actually, we have all the time in the world right now, but bear with me. He goes, nobody, we don't have time to look at the birds of the air, Jesus. All right? I got to get a job. I got to help my kids with math. The economy is collapsing. The stocks are all over the place. We're quarantined. I don't know where coronavirus can be now. I do not have time to look at the birds of the air, Jesus. To which I think he would say, okay, I understand how you feel. But here's the problem, he would say. Here's the problem. Right now, you've got tunnel vision. Right now, you are hyper-focused on these issues and on these problems. And your devotion follows your focus. And your emotions follow your devotion. And it's just all one big mess. So, he would say. I'm trying to teach you something, so just do me a favor for a moment. Take a look at the birds of the air. So we kind of look, and you, you know, you're seeing these birds, you're seeing them doing their thing. He goes, okay. Jesus says, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns. These birds you're looking at right now, they don't have 401ks. They, 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 they don't helicopter parent their children. They, they, like, they don't even try in life. They just kind of walk around. They pick up sticks willy-nilly. They, they grab worms when they see it. They, they, these worms, I mean, these birds, they don't have calendars. They don't have reminders. They don't have notifications. They don't have email. They don't have Zoom calls. They don't have mortgages. These birds don't do any of the responsible things that you do. And yet, your Heavenly Father feeds them. Let that sink in for a second, because what Jesus has just shared here is deceptively simple, and I want to make sure we don't miss this huge, massive truth. So let me read it again, and just let this wash over you. Jesus says to this crowd that is worried, that is panicked, and he goes, when you're worried, stop and look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap 
or store away in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not much more valuable to God than a bird? And that's a rhetorical question. Jesus is saying, hey, just so you know, you are much more valuable to God than some bird. Do you see the argument Jesus is making? Can you see it? What he's saying here? I feel like Jesus is like, look, let me flesh this out a little bit more for you. Just, just so you're aware of the sort of the situation of this world. Um, God, creator of the universe, and, and me for that matter, Jesus, okay? God made you in his image. Which means that every time God, the creator of this universe, looks at you, he is reminded of himself. God, when he sent the Savior into this world, did not send the Savior in the form of a bird or a goat or a fish. He sent the Savior of this world in the image of a man. And the reason I tell you all of this is because I need you to know for sure, that God loves you. That God loves you. Because when life is a mess, okay, when we are in the rows of worry, the fits of panic, we lose sight of this truth. And so in this moment, Jesus goes, here's your lesson. Here's what I want you to do, okay? Here's how to understand this whole thing with the birds. Here's what I'm saying. Unlike the birds that do nothing to help themselves, and yet your heavenly Father feed them, okay? Unlike those birds, you can do something. You can prepare. And so here's what I want you to do, Jesus would say. I want you to sow. I want you to reap. I want you to store away. I want you to fill out job applications. I want you to study hard. I want you to go to the doctor. And when you've done all that, here's what I want you to say. God loves me more than the birds. I have done all that I can do right now. And so, I don't need to worry. I just don't need to worry. Growing up, my grandfather was a pastor. Um, whenever finals came around, he would always give me the same advice. And, and knowing now what I didn't know then, I, I think he was paraphrasing Jesus' lesson right here. But when it, when it came time to finals, he would call me up and he would say, John, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to study as if everything depended on you. And I want you to pray as if everything depended on God. He said, if you do this, you've done your job and you can be at peace. And it was the strangest thing. I mean, maybe it's not that strange, but I was at peace. I mean, as per Jesus' advice, I did what I could do. I studied, made flashcards, put the hours in, I did my homework, right? And then I trusted God to do what only God could do. And I received peace. Jesus kind of continues, but approaches at a slightly different angle. And he asks, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That's the question we asked earlier on. Can any, can any one of you add a, a single hour, even, even, even a second? Can you add a second to your life by worrying? Well, we know that the answer is no, okay? No, can't do that. I actually think the more that I read this, I actually think there, there's something deeper going on, what sort of Jesus is sort of alluding to. 
See, I think what he, he might be driving at is, can you, by worrying about the uncertainties of life, bring certainty to life? Can you, by worrying about the uncertainties of life, the future, right? Can you bring any kind of certainty to your life? No, you can't. Those things in the future, we have no control over it at all. And so Jesus would say to us, look, whenever you are faced with the uncertainty of the future, right? Am I going to be able to, am I going to lose my job? Or am I going to, I'm on furlough, am I going to get my job back? Is, am I going to remain healthy? Is my health going to be okay? Or, or, or will my wedding happen because of this quarantine, okay? All of these things over which we have no control, we are left with just one simple question. Can God be trusted with my future? And if he can, then I don't need to worry. And, and it's not that I don't need to worry because I know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. The reason I don't need to worry is because I'm choosing to trust the only one who can do anything about my future. Jesus continues. And why do you worry about clothes, he says. He says, look at, look at the flowers, right? See how the flowers in the field grow? They do not labor or spin. He goes, at least you guys manufacture your own clothes. These flowers, they don't labor. They don't spin yarn. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon, who by the way was the richest and wisest person ever lived according to the Bible, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Jesus is saying, look at how extravagantly God takes care of just these flowers. So he continues, and he says, if, okay, if, that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, right? It's just you mow it up tomorrow. Will he not much more clothe you? It's the same argument as the birds. He said, guys, if God will take care of the birds, if, if God takes care of the flowers, Two groups that are doing literally nothing to help themselves, by the way, and he takes care of them. Don't you believe, I mean, he says, come on, guys, don't you believe that God, who, who loves you more than anything, who will send his son to die for you on the cross, don't you believe he'll take care of you? And then he gets to the heart of the issue. He says, you of little faith? You see, Worry is a devotion issue, like we talked about in the beginning. Worry is a faith issue. Our emotions get attached, get attached to the things that we are devoted to. Now, let's make sure again that we have not misunderstood Jesus, okay? Because Jesus is not discounting the content of your worry, okay? Those things that you worry about are important. Okay? Your health is important. Your job is important. Food, clothes, okay? All of this is important. Jesus, it's not like Jesus is going, meh, don't worry about it. Okay? Eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Eh, don't worry about it. Okay, that's not what he's saying at all. Jesus is not discounting the content of your worries. Jesus is just saying, do not worry. Because the issue for Jesus is simple. Do you trust God? to take care of you. 
He, that's what he asks every single one of us. Do you trust God to take care of you? Is God where you put your trust? Is God who you'll lean on? Is God where you'll find your security? Now I'm going to ask you a question, and I really want to challenge you to be honest with yourself. In fact, I think you owe it to yourself to be honest. So if Jesus were to ask you, do you trust God to take care of you? Here's what I want you to be honest about. How many of you would answer, well, I know God can take care of me. I just don't know if he will. I mean, yeah, I know God has the power and the ability to, to, to take care of me. I just, I, I, just don't, I, just, I just don't know if he will do that. If that's you, don't feel bad. I mean, this is everybody. I mean, at some point, everybody has felt this way about some point. But this right here, this is where Jesus invites us to change the story. Remember, our worry, our anxiety is the direct result of the story that we tell ourselves about any given situation. And if you keep telling yourself this story, you're scaring yourself. If you keep telling yourself this story, this story does not inspire confidence in God. It perpetuates fear, it perpetuates worry. Yeah, but John, you would say, I just don't know for sure if, 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 he, if he will take care of me. Well, this is where we must rely on faith. Scripture says this about faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for. It is being sure of what we do not see. So in preparation for this message, outside of reading the scripture, I was reading a couple of books, I picked up a very interesting book about anxiety. And the name of the book was Needing to Know for Sure. How about that for a title? And the premise of this book is that the fuel for our anxiety is our compulsion to know for sure. And worry? Worry is our attempt to bring certainty into the world. Worry is our attempt to know things that we can never know for sure about, for sure. And it doesn't work. The book says it doesn't work, and Jesus says it doesn't work because we as humans simply can't see the future. And so Jesus looks at each and every single one of us, in the midst of our worries, in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our panic, and says, you just have to trust God. When worry creeps in, I think Jesus would look at us and go, guys, hasn't God been there for you in the past? And isn't it true that Scripture says that God does not change? And so if God is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow, if God does not change, if God was there for you in the past, why would he not take care of you in your future? So, trust him. What's the practical? If it's your first time watching Downtown Harbor Church, every single week we put this word practical on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So, 
The first practical I've got for you comes right out of what we read today, and it is this. We need to be responsible, okay? Jesus, in this lesson, told us to look at the birds, not to be one of the birds, all right? He didn't look at us and say, hey, just between you and me, don't do anything, okay? Don't, don't do anything, right? He says, he's like, don't do nothing and expect God to take care of you. That's like, a, he's got a, a special deal worked out with the birds and the flowers, okay? That's not gonna work out for you, Jesus would say. All right, so for you, as humans who've been made in the image of God, who have been blessed with gifts and talents and opportunities and abilities, here's what I want you to do, Jesus would say. Work hard. Do everything that you can do. Work as unto the Lord, I think scripture says, my memory is certainly correct. He goes, do everything that you can possibly do in the here and the now, but trust that God is ultimately in control. And so, in the situation that we're in, if you're out of a job, if you lost your job, Jesus would say, all right, well, don't worry, but get those resumes out there. Start networking, but leave the rest up to God. Jesus challenges every single one of his followers to be responsible, but don't worry about the outcomes. God's got it. Second of all, I would challenge you that we need to change the story, all right? Now, I don't know what your worry is, but I've got to imagine for the last, you know, 38 minutes that I've been talking for, that you know exactly what that worry is. It's that worry that gnaws at you, and it's just, it's just, every time you turn around, it's there. And, And so the next time that that particular worry rears its ugly head, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what the story is that you're telling yourself about that situation. Because one thing that I know, according to Scripture, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so if you are telling yourself a story that is frightening you, sending you into a panic, sending you into a tailspin, making you worry, that is not from God. So what would it look like for you to change the story and start telling yourself the truth in the midst of that tension? And as you begin to do this, there's one last thing that we need to sort of prepare for. You need to begin to embrace the uncomfortable. Let me explain. As you begin to release your words, as you begin to change the story that you tell yourself, you might actually begin to feel more anxious. Why? Because you're starting to release control. You see, worry is a form of control. You might not have known that. When you worry, you are trying to bring control into an environment that you feel like you have no control over. And Jesus is saying, that's not helping you. And so what I want you to do is hand control over to you. And in time, this will start to feel natural. In time, perhaps for some of you right away, but in time, you will begin to feel like a weight has been taken off your shoulders because you finally realize that there's no need to worry. Lastly, and then I'll let you guys go, I want to give you one last sort of practical on the coronavirus itself. I want to talk to you about your worries about coronavirus. I've been getting a lot of questions, okay, spiritual questions about coronavirus. Let me kind of walk you through this. Why is God allowing coronavirus? We don't know. That's uncertainty. What what is going to happen to us because of coronavirus? 
we don't we don't know that's an uncertainty but we have a book we have a book that tells us that god has seen his people through much much worse we have a book that promises us that God, the creator of this universe, the God that holds everything in the palm of his hands, that book contains a promise that says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So, in the spirit of Jesus' lesson today, we wash our hands. We don't touch our face. We limit our social service. We pray. And then, we trust God. Let me pray for you. Dearly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we could just come together through technology to just learn about the greatest message that your son Jesus ever gave, Lord. And it's obvious the reason that he spoke about worry is because it is a pandemic in this world. It is something that seems to be always right behind us, Lord. And it's scary. And it's a raw emotion, and it just seems like it's everywhere, and, and, and we don't want to be doing it. We want to be free of it, Lord. But what's so amazing is that the solution to our worries is so simple. It's so simple. And yet we have such a difficult time grasping it. God, I pray that today, in the midst of something that we as a generation have never seen before a quarantine like this, a disease like this, and a with all of these things that are just dying for us to be worried about. Okay, Lord, I, I just pray that in some supernatural way, that in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that every single one of us watching right now would feel your presence, would feel your peace, would know for sure that you are in control, that you will take care of us because you love us. And we thank you for that. I pray, Lord, for the individual situations that are going on right now in DHC. Lord, you know them. I don't. But there are struggles with employment. There are struggles with health. There are struggles even with mental, mental health issues. Lord, we're just, I, I just pray for the parents out there. I pray for the leaders of this country, God. And I pray that through our actions, you and your Son will be glorified. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for coming out to DHG today. We appreciate it. We will see you next week for Easter. Take care.